Welcome to Pastors Confidential. We're Michelle and Eric Waters, and we're two pastors, one podcast. On each episode, we'll be answering one of your questions about God, the Bible, faith, and life. We're so excited you're joining us. Good morning, I'm Michelle. And I'm Eric. And we are back with uh, the second of our Hope in Hard Times. Mm -hmm. We talked to Barbie Moore last week. Thank you so much for all the great feedback you guys really liked um, hearing from her because she's amazing. Yeah, she is an amazing woman. It was great. And she would say, she would want me to say, no, it's all the Lord. Mm -hmm. And so I will say that. Um, But I know the Lord really used her to speak to some of you because we got quite a few emails about it. So yeah. Yeah, and they were really powerful. So we're really happy about that. And thank you, Jesus. Um, on this interview with Charlie Round, I actually say that it's our first interview because I, I talked to him first. Right. You recorded it first, but then right. you decided to broadcast it second. Second. Right. Yes. So that's the way it went. Um, I, he's out of town right now, so I recorded it before they left on a little trip. And um, this is a fun talk as well. Charlie Round is a former FBI agent. That's right. Which is always fun. How many times in your life do you meet someone who's been like an agent for the NFL? I can't remember what else he's he's worked with the Methodist Church, which is actually what he's doing right now. He Mm -hmm. is retired, but he still kind of goes on call sometimes for for this type of situation. Yeah, yeah, and he's uh, and I tell you, uh, not only is he a former FBI agent, but he's a a funny man and he likes to talk and he's full of good stories. (laughs) Yes. Well, that's what was good about this interview is I I asked him, you know, because he's such an upbeat guy. Mm -hmm. I don't think I've ever seen him upset. And so that was one of the reasons I thought we could talk to him about hope. But I kind of asked him, we talk a little bit about how do you, mm-hmm. how do you stay hopeful when you're like, your life is dealing with criminals? Yeah, that's a great question. Yeah, and he, he a answers really hard it. Job. Exactly. Yeah. Because he, you're right. I mean, mm-hmm. he's always upbeat and he's always smiling. He's always, always, you know, always telling jokes and things like that. Right. Yeah. Really faithful guy. His wife is also very involved in our church and we're just so happy that we got to have a conversation with him. But before we get into that, just real quick, um, if you are struggling with despair, a lack of hope. Because I know so many people are. Every single day, we've talked about this before, but it just keeps getting worse. Yeah. It literally is so bad in the world right now. And if that's you, then I, I really would recommend that you just take like a media fast. Yeah, yeah, you know, definitely, you know, uh, turn off the TV. Uh, definitely turn off the TV. Yeah. I wouldn't even, I, I, I don't go there, but definitely the TV. They could take the Facebook off their phones for a little while. Yeah, take Facebook off. You know, try not to read the the, the newspapers. Um, yeah, just take an all-out media crazy. fast. I mean, basically, a... it's, it's just a nutty world out there, and it's not getting any better. It's not going to get any better between now and November. And, right. And then even beyond November, I mean, no matter who wins, you know, there's going to be some kind of dispute about right. legitimacy. So it's just a... It's a hard... It is a... I mean, 2020 is one for the record books. It is. Lord willing, may it stay there. It is. And it's not to say that we want to put, you know, put our heads in the sand or whatever. As Christians, we definitely need to stay involved. But my point is that if you're struggling, because some people have said they're just really struggling to find hope. And if Mm -hmm. that's you, then definitely the first thing to do would take three or four days without any, any news, and then just spend the time reading your Bible. God will show you Mm -hmm. a hopeful word for sure. Um, Barbie Moore talked about Psalm 91. That's a psalm particularly good to this time because it talks about being delivered from the pestilence. Yeah, the deadly pestilence. I think you preached on that at the beginning of the pandemic. Um, But just, you know, maybe Romans 12, 2, you could meditate on just about the renewing of your mind and not being conformed to this world. And Mm -hmm. those are hard, hard things. But the Lord will bless you if you just need a little break from 
all the mass craziness. Yeah, that's a great, yeah. it's a great, great suggestion. And one more, oh, I'd give one more scripture. Philippians 4, 8 also talks about concentrating only on that, which is what noble, noble and good and, good and, and beautiful. And, yeah. yeah. And so if you're struggling, just turn it all off and put your mind into the word, put your eyes onto the word and he will bless you. Amen. Yeah. And today I think you'll be blessed by this conversation with Charlie Round. I'm looking forward to it. Yes. Okay. Good morning. We have Charlie Round with us today. Very first interview. Welcome. Thank you. Thank you. Okay. We're still talking. Well, actually, we're just starting to talk about hope in hard times and how different people are dealing with this whole pandemic. So we've got kind of people in different stages of life. What, how would you describe, describe the stage of life you're in? Well, I would have to say, first of all, thank you for inviting me. Yes. This is fabulous, and I appreciate the opportunity. Okay. Um, I think I would describe myself as kind of semi-retired. Okay. Um, Carol and I moved to Texas a couple of years ago, Mm -hmm. and I was transitioning from a full-time position into kind of uh, multiple part-time positions that I was kind of cobbling together. Uh, We moved here for Carol's job, and so it was a great opportunity for me to get down here. Uh, the difference, though, was where I was used to working kind of in an office, mm. you know, every day, 40, 50, 60 hours a week. Right. Um, as I transitioned down here, now I'm working from home. Right. It's all online. And so and that was before COVID. That is correct. So you were like the original. Correct. The, okay. Exactly. Okay. So I was working online doing that. And so I was actually kind of working through that process in my mind, as well as my well-being, so to speak, right. of how do you, as a transition from a full-time job sure. to a part-time job, and now transitioning from face to face to online world. Yeah. So that that was the challenge start when we first moved here. Yeah. And then And that was years ago. Correct. That okay. was two years ago. Yeah, so, so I've actually had probably right. 18 months of kind of working through that. Yes. And I in the beginning it was tricky. And then it's like, okay, you kind of get in a groove. Mm-hmm. And so you figure it out. And as part of that, I was doing a lot of traveling back to Indiana and some other places. Okay. And um, at the same time, I was, you know, not Zooming much because it was more mm. conference calls as well as um, really face-to-face because I had I would go to Indiana six to eight times a year. Oh, wow. And um, so that happened for the 18 months. And then COVID hit and... Zoom. Zoom. So now it's all Zoom? It is all Zoom. Would you prefer Zoom or conference? conference yes i people just are hating mm-hmm. zoom now. Mm-hmm. i've literally only done two zoom meetings this mm-hmm. entire and i don't like it yeah it's 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 such a challenge because it's really hard to kind of get a connection with people when you're on zoom and even so much so i mean you can see facial cues and things like that right. but body language is really hard to tell yes. and um there's just that, that it's just that impersonal world that i don't care for yes it's very hard you know because people are starting to say maybe this is the new normal and mm-hmm. this is great but no i don't think so i agree right so you were already okay i didn't really realize that that you are kind of already on this whole working at home well i knew that but mm-hmm. um now you you didn't mention your old job what it was that's kind of interesting (laughs) for people so how about you tell them okay i could do that um i spent 25 years working for the fbi yes um i'm originally a proud graduate of the ohio state university yes oh my goodness (laughs) we're we're talking about hope we have to talk about the buckeyes but we'll get there absolutely and that's where i met carol and so um carol was kind enough to uh, support me as uh i started my career back Mm -hmm. in 1987 and so went off to the academy uh then we spent four years in st louis 
and that was from 1987 to 1991. Mm-hmm. And then in 1991, the government was kind enough to move us to Detroit, Michigan. Oh, my. <laughs> I know. And uh, so we spent about eight years there. Okay. Uh, Carol's comment was, uh, what have you done to them? Why are we oh, in these funny. little spots here or whatever? <laughs> and then we had an opening in Indianapolis okay. in uh, okay. 1998. And so um, I took it. And we went there, and actually it was a great spot for us because that's where we raised our kids. Mm -hmm. And um, from that point there, uh, it was kind of time to move to Washington, Mm D.C. I decided to get out of the management program and then spent the last couple of years there. I I worked basically the white-collar world. So basically it's the mortgage fraud, the financial fraud, the healthcare fraud, those kinds of criminal uh, activities. And I was in agent world for 15 years and then in the management world for about six, seven years after that. And then when it was time to move to Washington, D.C., I decided to get out of the management world because our youngest daughter was a sophomore in high school. Oh, yeah, and we tough. said, let's try to get everybody mm-hmm. up through the high school world. Yep. And then the last thing that I, had, I got to do, which was pretty neat, um, was the Super Bowl in Indianapolis. Oh. So that was kind of my last case that I worked full time wow. on. Uh, I retired in 2012. Mm-hmm. And then I went to work for the Indiana United Methodist Church right. in Indiana. Um, sadly, they were having some financial irregularities in a lot of their churches, and they asked if I would help shepherd them through the law enforcement world okay. uh, as they were addressing those issues. And then my second job uh, was I worked for the NFL. And so I don't know if that's it, but it was, I had some neat opportunities. Okay. And then when Carol and I moved, uh, to San Antonio two years ago. Obviously, the NFL doesn't have a team here. Yes. So I, quote unquote, retired again from that position. Yep. And then um, the Indiana United Methodist Church asked me to continue employment virtually and remotely for them. Uh, hence, previous conversations sure. on that's what I do now. Okay, well, that's interesting. Now, how do you, because you're like a very cheerful type guy. Mm-hmm. So how do you find, we're talking about hope. How do you find hope when you're dealing with like, criminal activity and mm-hmm. and especially in the church when you have to like lay down the law to these folks who really should not be doing this kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. And, and that's a great question because a lot of times you look in the law enforcement world and what you pick up yeah. is what you see on TV right. or what you read online and it is really not a lot like that. It's, it's kind of basically you're taking your personality to the position and you're trying to incorporate your personality into the position to make yourself successful in that world. Okay. And in the very beginning of it, you know, you come out of the academy and you look at it from the standpoint of, oh, okay, I'm ready. I'm going to kick down doors and I'm going to do all that kind right. of stuff. And my personality, after, no. I did, after I did it for about, you know, three, four months, I had a, a senior agent say to me, so how do you think this is going? And I said, well, I don't know. I just don't really feel comfortable because he says, that's not your personality. Yeah, I cannot see it. He said, you know what? When you talk to people, he said, instead of being kind of the quote unquote bad cop, right. He said, just be the good cop, cop, be their friend, and they'll tell you exactly what they did. And I found that that worked for me. And so I learned that on earlier, early in my career. And I think that helped me as I kind of transitioned through all the different uh, areas that I worked and the people that I got to meet was kind of take your personality to it. And um, and then as you do that, people see that you're genuine. Okay. And then they'll trust you more. And that'll help you. So to transition to that, every time we would move to a place, it's interesting you'd say, you know, you have the hope part of it. And and, and our first goal was always one is we wanted to join a church because we felt that was absolutely uh, the most important thing. We wanted to get clicked into a church, clicked into a community. 
And and those became our best friends, mm-hmm. so to speak. And I'm not saying that um, people are better or worse or anything like that, right. but it was a great community, was community for us yep. as we kind of right. moved through this. Right. And um, so that's and those are the lifelong friendships that we have made. And I'll just a real short story. So we're in our church in Michigan, and I somebody walks out into the narthex afterwards, and you do the look at each other, and you say, "How do I know you?" Mm-hmm. And I'm looking at him, and I'm, I really don't tell a lot of people where I would work, um, just because sometimes it would freak them out. Right. <laughs> I'm going, no, yeah. seriously, I just want to be a regular guy. <laughs> Not yeah, exactly. Yes. And he says, "You know, how? Where are you?" And I said, "You know." I said, okay, I work for the FBI. I said, you? And he goes, oh, I, I'm the foreman of the federal grand jury. I'm the person that swears you in. Oh, and I said, oh. And his question to me, and it always hit me, was he said, how do you go through your days? Yes. He said, because all you see is people that are trying to game a system yeah, or try to take advantage exactly. of people. And I said, you know what? I learned early on. I said, if you look around the narthex here, I said, 99.99% of these people are doing exactly what we all want to do. And I said, you know what? We want to, you know, our faith, our families, raise our children, all those kinds of, Mm -hmm. that's what we're all trying to do. I said, it's, so I I put in my mind that the majority of folks are are doing the right thing. It's just, I'm there as well as countless other folks to try to keep that little tiny sliver in line. And he goes, that makes sense or whatever. And I said, so that's, that's, I think kind of the genesis of, of my hope world was faith as well as our community as we moved around and that was very important to us well that's a great way of looking at it especially since now i mean today we kind of look at this world in like 50 50 right instead you said the 99 percent were doing the right thing which is you know probably still true but we generally think well 50 percent of this country (laughs) is definitely doing the wrong thing (laughs) and they believe the wrong things Mm -hmm. and stuff so i think that's a that's a hopeful way of looking at life that you know, most of us are doing the best we can. We're trying to live, you know, live for our families and our faith and stuff. But there is a small percentage of people that need to be kept in line. <laughs> and that was your job, right? Correct. Okay, so now, kind of for you, the hardship has been, I know you have a grandchild and another on the way, which is no longer a secret, correct? That is correct. We, we, just, we may not put that out. not just out you. Okay. <laughs> So, and you have not been able to, you've had several plans, you know, to visit and you have not been able to. So how has that been? You know what? That's actually been the biggest struggle yeah. for, for Carol and myself. Mm-hmm. Um, we moved to San Antonio and so, and we're used to moving around. Right. So we're used to moving around, starting over and all that yep. kind of stuff. But you still had the ability to travel at a whim, mm-hmm. um, go kind of where you wanted to go uh, and figure that out. And I think when COVID hit, that was probably the biggest challenge for us and sure. me as well is, yes, we have a two-year-old granddaughter yeah, lives in so Chicago. Cute. Her name is Lucy. So cute. And we have another grandchild on the way in mm-hmm. January. So you don't know the sex? We do not. Okay. And that has been, I think, the biggest challenge yeah. as well as just the ability to visit family, um, just friends. and. Yeah, because I, you have an ailing father, right? Correct. And, yeah, and, it, and your mother's still living, right? And correct. And so you'd like to see them. Correct. Mm-hmm. And so you, you, you start to kind of, I think that was the challenge in the beginning, was trying to yeah. figure out how you maneuver around this with the, the new kind of rules that are yeah. in place. And I think the hardest part for us was it always felt like the line kept moving. It's kind of right. like, oh, we might be able to go next month. Oh, okay. I can't tell you. First of all, Southwest Airlines is probably tired of talking to me because <laughs> I have booked more airline flights oh. and canceled more because the rules would change. Yes. And and I think that's always been the hardest part. Now, conversely, you know, we, the Zoom world has not been great for meeting purposes and mm-hmm. things like that and FaceTime. It has been a it been an absolute lifesaver for us oh, right. because we can watch Lucy, can see Lucy and see oh, her okay. and that. And so I think that kind of gets us through the the day-to-day kind of 
battles that you have internally going, oh boy, I really like to be there. I like to yeah. hold her. I like to hug her. Oh. She's chatting and all those kinds of, of neat things that we've gone through mm-hmm. with our children. And now you have a grandchild doing it. And I think for the first month or two until we could actually figure out how this was all going to work, I mm-hmm. think that was the biggest struggle. Absolutely. And I think you're right. Like the marker keep moving. That's mm-hmm. been the hardest, I think, for most people throughout COVID, no matter what you're dealing with, whether it's going back to school or not going back to school, working from home or not, just it changes weekly. And, you know, our kids have been in school now seven days. I think today's day seven or eight. I can't remember. But every day I'm like, mm, I don't know. Are they going to go back tomorrow? You know, is Sam going to play a football game mm-hmm. next week? So... We're just, you know, it's just, it's daily, but um, the, the moving mark has been hard. And actually, um, the Bible says, hope deferred makes the heart sick, but a longing fulfilled is a tree of life. And that, that's that exact idea. Like when our hope just keeps getting pushed back, we start to struggle. And so, but your hope is coming to fruition this weekend, isn't it? it or it, soon? It is. Okay. It, it, which is neat because, again, we're like everybody else. Yeah. It, we've not been able to travel. Nope. We're trying to be um, a community uh, cognizant people of, yep. you know, let's follow the rules. Right. Well, and your and, daughter's pregnant. And so that's exactly you're, you've right. you've been even extra careful. Exactly. Wanna, yeah. and, and so... With that being said, um, I have an employment issue that I have to deal with up in Indianapolis, and they called me last week and said, we absolutely need you to come okay. up. Are you okay? And I okay. said, yeah, I'm, I'm good to go. Okay. And so um, I'm leaving on Saturday. I am going <laughs> to Indiana for about a week and a half and decided that this was a great opportunity to kind of sneak up to Chicago for <laughs> okay. a day. We're going to hang in the park. We're going to have pizza outside. Oh, wow. So we're going to we're really going okay. to do that right. And then um, I'll Very spend the nice. week in Indiana. And then I'm going to circle on the back end of it to go to Virginia to see my parents who, oh. have, not, who have not seen uh, since the beginning of January. And the issue with them is they moved about two weeks to assisted living from Florida to Virginia before COVID hit. Their facility locked down and you can't see them. And so that's been obviously a struggle for them. And we would love to go see them. So we're going to loop that in. And then an added bonus, Carol, uh, my wife, had heard that that was happening and (laughs) she's jumping on board the the travel train. (laughs) So so we're really looking forward to that as as an opportunity to um, kind of reconnect. Okay. And because she's she's a professor, uh, Carol Mm -hmm. is, and because she's been all online, she can do this. So, I mean, there are some little blessings here and there, even in COVID, that can kind of bring us hope. But um, that's amazing that you get to see both the parents and your daughter and son-in-law and Lucy. Yes. Now, were, was the assisted living, was that, did they have a bad COVID situation? No, they actually came through it clean. Okay, good. And they've just now opened up so you get an hour visit each day. Oh, wow. And so we're, we want to take advantage of that before, and actually before the weather gets cold, you hit flu season, and we thought, you know what, let's try to get up the end of August, early September, and, okay. uh, and see if we can make that happen. Nice. So what do you do? I know you work from home already, so Mm -hmm. you had your kind of routine in place. But what do you do to kind of, you know, stay active or engaged or just whatever? How do you get through the days? And actually, I think all I did was I I tried to maintain what I was doing before COVID. Okay. And the reason was it's like I I felt it was important in my world to kind of try to stay a routine. Mm -hmm. And my routine always is I I get up and I walk first thing in the morning. Mm -hmm. And I walk for about an hour. And it's neat because... During the COVID world, you were outside, you could see people and still social distance yep. and walk with them. And so you'd still have that kind of personal connection, yet you didn't have that. Oh, well, yeah. So, you've met like every neighbor of oh, mine. I, I, I pretty much, I'm surprised the HOA doesn't bill <laughs> me for wandering up. in your neighborhood. Yeah. So Charlie lives in a neighborhood across the kind of highway from us, but mm-hmm. he, he 
walks in our neighborhood and he has many many friends and we see him often i know more of michelle's neighbors than i know mine so it's like oh, carol says i should learn to my neighbors i said yeah. why should i do that? i like why? i like why? michelle's neighbors plus then. you've got all these buckeye fans <laughs> absolutely here, so and, and so I, I i tried to maintain that and then it was just basically each day of, of a kind of a some of a schedule so do my emails uh any calls that i'd have to do um i would not turn the tv on because i didn't want to get sucked into that world mm-hmm. uh, you know, yeah basically i'd have my breakfast to make sure if my football team was gonna play yes. and when the i found out place. right and when i found out they weren't then i would just turn it off okay. i definitely stayed off the news channels because yes, i just feel that that kind of just sucks the life out of you mm. um but i would check those maybe like for five minutes to make sure you haven't missed missed some sort of world events right. uh, uh, besides covid right and then just kind of go on from there. And I, and I think the the mantra, so to speak, or the philosophy that I kind of would work under is, is people were working through the whole COVID, how it impacted them, how did they decide to kind of go day by day. Mm-hmm. And I will hearken back to kind of 9-11. And, and, I, okay. and you're going to say, why is that or whatever? Mm-hmm. And so... 9-11 yeah. hits and I'm an agent and I'm oh, working wow. in Indianapolis. Okay. And I can remember exactly where I'm at. I'm sitting in the dentist chair. I get a text that says, come back to the office immediately. We've got a huge problem. So we come back to the office and we've discovered the 9-11 events are occurring. Okay. So for the next 8 to 12 weeks, we worked 7 days a week, kind of like 12-hour days wow. as we're trying to figure this out. Mm-hmm. And I'm not going to church. I'm not, I mean, we are, You're and Carol's, we're doing our, you know, she's kind of running the household. Mm-hmm. And I just said, I'll see you when I see you. And I ran into our pastor one day at lunch, sitting there, and he goes, hey, how are you doing? And mm-hmm. I said, I'll be honest with you. I'm worn out. Yeah. I'm tired or whatever and all that. And he says, how's this going? And I said, you know, I said, the challenging times with 9-11 was we were working under the what's next. Okay. And you didn't know. No. And so we're, and then everything is changing and our world's turning upside down. Yeah. But it was, and I understand this is an apples and oranges to COVID, but we're trying to figure out a problem. Yeah. And he says, you know what? He said, and, I, and I've heard numerous pastors, include Eric, use this phrase. And this is the one that keeps me going all the time. It's you got to run with faith, not fear. Mm-hmm. And so for me in my bureau world, yeah. working back on 9-11 in Oklahoma City and all the other things going on, it's like, you know what? It's faith, not fear and working through that. And so when COVID hit, in my mind, to be perfectly honest with you, and not that I'm—I would always just remember that. That's mm-hmm. this is how this is this is going to yep. work out. We'll go faith, not fear, on this. Yep. And and I mean, I hate to say this, but I actually have found COVID to be easier than 9/11, and because COVID, you knew what the problem was, mm-hmm. you understood kind of early on what the rules are, so yeah, to speak. Sort of, yeah. You didn't know what the end game is going to be on this thing. Right. Um, or in 9-11, we weren't sure if all of a sudden we're going to have malls blowing up, school oh, buses sure. blowing up on that. Gotcha. And so we ran six months to a year trying oh. to, what's next? We're here. Exactly. Yeah, right. And so I guess bringing it now full circle to, uh, to the current time, that's kind of how I have processed through the COVID world. And that actually helps me on a day-to-day basis, kind of working through um, you know, something pop up and you go, oh, geez, seriously, now we can't go to a thing. restaurant again. Or <laughs> yes. so, and I understand that these are completely yeah. different scenarios, right. but that's been able to uh, kind of get me through yeah. each day as we work through. Yeah, that's great. Yeah, I never thought about that because you think you read about all these. They keep talking about people who, you know, were born, I don't know. Before between the wars or something and all the stuff that they've been through and they're like come on people like mm-hmm. COVID you can deal with it mm-hmm. but I hadn't really thought of the connection with 9-11 yeah we didn't know what was coming next and it was a time where 
everybody was living in fear. That's a good point. Well, let's wrap up with how are you kind of continuing to find community? So you you're living, you have you have a wife, you have a spouse, so you're not living all alone like many people are. Um, but have you found community during this? Or um... yeah, we have. It's 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 neat because I've actually <laughs> I have met a few more neighbors on the way to the mailbox, <laughs> yes. and so you kind of look at them because yeah. nobody can go anywhere, yep. or at least. In the last few months, everybody seems to be a little bit more homebound. Yep. My neighbor, uh, who's a, a great guy, was an on-the-road insurance sales guy, okay. and now he's home all the, all the time. And so getting to know him as we stand on the sidewalks and chat for a while, that's been very nice. Sure. Um, walking through your neighborhood, yes. I see a lot more people out here. The only thing missing is I don't have a dog. Oh, <laughs> and so a dog. That's right. It's kind of like you don't have a dog in the fight. I don't have a dog in yep. the fight. And I have uh, I've done it that way. For our kids, we mm-hmm. play online games with the Chicago Bunch. We've, we've okay. learned how to do that. It's not the same, but at least gives you uh, okay. once a week on the evenings. or uh, And that um, has been nice. Uh, purely selfishly, uh, our daughter from Baton Rouge uh, came home for a week and stayed for seven weeks. Oh. And it was the longest that we had seen her since college and oh, so she kind of um she, did the quarantine with you she did oh i forgot she, that. she had come home yes. and so for us okay. i mean if there was a positive aspect to yeah, it we had an opportunity that? to spend um some quality time awesome. with her as she was here and then moving forward um we're just you know trying to figure out and maneuver uh my carol uh, again to you previously mentioned as a uh, professor mm-hmm. she's now online yes so we've gotten her up and going and i've kind of just basically said hey what do you need because she was kind enough to support me for the first 25 years and so let's return the favor and you tell me you know how how would how do we want to get through this and so that's kind of where we're at very good and you've been attending church in, on person, a, a, in person. We have. Yeah. And, yeah. And, and that some would be the... Some people have to come back. Right. And, and, and I think mm-hmm. it's really basically kind of what your comfort level is. Yeah, uh, I've actually had calls and conversations with churches in other areas that know me from uh, the work that I do. Mm-hmm. And they've asked, how are we doing it? Yep. And they've we've talked through it. And a lot of the things that we do, they go, oh, that's a great idea. Yeah. And I think... They've not told me, but I think they're obviously utilizing a lot of things that we do. Good. Um, but yes, we the, the minute we open back up, we said, you know, we want to come go. back and yeah. let's get back in. And we feel completely comfortable. Yeah. We, we love seeing people. Um, and as soon as we're done, we'll walk out and we'll stand, out in, the, the we'll stand out in the parking lot and visit Chat. with them. Yep. And Because you want to make sure that, you know, your comfort level will match somebody else's right. comfort level. And I don't want to impose anything on somebody else that would be um, counter to them yeah. not trying to turn the community world back on. Yeah, I got you. It, it's very easy to turn things off. It's really hard to turn things back on. That's and true. I think that's where people need to... Kind of work through it and then the, i guess the last piece of this that i will say is um i learned this a while back when i was working for the fbi we had a church in indiana and this was when i was an agent okay church lost two hundred fifty thousand dollars from oh. a bookkeeper that decided that he wanted mm. to try some crazy things with their money oh gosh the church discovered it i'm working it as a bureau agent okay. um we catch the guy he goes away does his thing or whatever the church spent the next bunch of years infighting with themselves right. on how do we solve this? Whose fault is it? Mm-hmm. They never could get past it. Mm-hmm. Then a couple of years later, we have another church in a different world up that way, so to speak. Um, they lost $125,000 from a bookkeeper okay. who decided to pay herself twice every time she paid everybody else oh, once. Nice. Oh, absolutely. It's a great nice. deal if you can get the work. <laughs> and that church actually took the bull by the horns um, addressed it, awesome. talked to everybody with mm-hmm. it. And I think where this kind of goes as we talk about all of us as we turn back on and we have hope mm-hmm. and faith and all that is when something like this comes up, 
and I, I always live by this now, is are you going to let that problem define you yeah. or are you going to define that problem? Very nice. And I always teach the kids and everybody's like, you know what? Things are going to happen in the world. Mm-hmm. And you need to define that problem because you can't let it define you because as long as you let it define you, um, you'll never be able to move past that. And that's yeah. kind of then where I get the faith, not fear issues mm-hmm. uh, or, or, or uh, saying or not just saying yeah. how that and so that's kind of great point. bring it about yeah that's great we got to define how we're going to deal with this and not let it define us mm-hmm. great ending thank you so much for being You're here well, it has been an honor and a pleasure thank awesome. you for inviting me yes. uh, look forward to seeing you on your sidewalk with your dog <laughs> okay. and that and uh thank you again yeah, thanks